0: Good evening, good evening, everybody. How are you doing tonight? We have got the faithful remnant here who's ready to pray. Amen. Who's ready to pray? We're going we're gonna to jump right in because I want to leave um, plenty of time for intercession. Uh, but I want to welcome you tonight, whether you're here or you're watching by live stream, uh, to what we are calling Reset 21, a school of prayer. And I do think as we are turning from 2020 to 2021, the greatest burden on my heart is raising up a church that prays. Um, Jesus went into the temple and overturned tables and took out a whip because he wasn't happy with what had become of the house of God. And he said, you've made my father's house of den of thieves, but it's supposed to be a house of prayer. And so the purpose of Reset 21 is really to take students and young people and anybody else interested And go deeper in our prayer life. Really um, study prayer, learn tools for prayer, hear what God is saying, and then the greatest way to learn to pray is just to pray, especially with a group. How many in here learn to pray by listening to others? That's what I did. And so tonight is not just going to be talking It's going to be praying. Um, I want to do things a little out of the norm because this is not meant to be a traditional church service. I'm sure if we were more in a classroom setting, it would be easier to see it as a school of prayer. But I think sometimes when we walk into a sanctuary and there's a stage in front of us and an altar before us, we automatically go into church mode. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Which is sit back, Listen, receive, and go home. And this is meant to be interactive. So don't let the setting of the sanctuary fool you. Um, this is an open classroom. This is how I deal with students. I want you to be able to interact with me. So this is more than you just coming to listen to me. Although you will have to listen to me. Uh, this is about us engaging together in prayer. Okay. So I'm going to start right now off the bat, and I need five. I would rather students this time because of the nature of the questions. Do I have five, six students. I would love for it to be diverse between boys and girls that would volunteer for something, like you're going to come up on the stage. I will pick you if you don't volunteer, but come on, boldness, boldness. Give me five hands. I'm waiting. Run, run. All right, boys, I've got two girls. Oh, come on, Samuel. I need another guy. Don't make me call you out. Come on up. Come on up. Let's see. Are we uneven? I need one more girl now. I punished my girls, and now I need another one. One more young lady. Come on up, Joss. Yay. Okay. So we're going to dive into some serious stuff. I have a word in my belly tonight that I did not intend to deliver. And I told my kids, it's steak tonight. We are not having peanut butter and jelly or leftovers this evening. I have a meat for you. But I wanted just to start, so you guys need to kind of get together. Come beside me because you're going to conspire with one another. You can circle up so you can talk to one another. Like circle up. Don't look at us. Yeah, circle, circle. You're worth waiting on. Okay, and you're gonna be the victim of a couple questions that I want you to, we'll give you like 30 seconds, if that much, (laughs) to conspire together, and then I want somebody to answer it, okay? You can answer it from the group. And because a couple of them you may not wanna answer and people know it to you, you don't have to tell me, who it is in the group, okay? But you're just gonna help us represent a demographic of your generation. Are you ready? So, question number one is um, really easy. What is the craziest prayer request you've ever made? What's the craziest request you've ever made in prayer? This can be past or present. So, it might've been when you were like four and you prayed for your snowman to talk. What is the craziest? prayer request. And while they're answering, I want you to answer to yourself. You don't have a microphone, but I want you to think about it. What is the craziest thing you ever asked God for? Craziest thing. All right. We got a crazy answer. All right. Who's going to answer? Josh, you got the mic. Go ahead. For the dead to be raised. Oh, like you went super spiritual on us. You have prayed for the dead to be raised. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? I actually have. Anybody ever been in a situation where you had to decide to, or you just did, pray for the dead to be raised? Yeah. Mine was on the side of the road. Accident. Yeah. Wow. Listen, don't be afraid to pull over. Paramedics are a lot nicer than you think about you praying. Okay. Question number two. Someone tell me a prayer God answered for you. Specific prayer. And it can't be like a paragraph answer. Like, you know, I prayed this, God did this. So you think about it. While they do that, I'll say I remember the first answered prayer I ever had at five when I learned to pray because I grew up in a church where we learned to pray. My grandmother, on my mom's side, she's gone to be with Jesus, she smoked, and it bothered me so bad as a kid, I just didn't want her to die of cancer. And I prayed every night for an entire year and saw nothing, and I'll never forget the day my grandma called my mom and said, tell Devin to quit praying for me, because every time I light my cigarette, I wanna throw up, and she quit smoking on the spot. So that was my answered prayer. Let's hear one from this group. Okay, so this was actually really recent it was last Tuesday in noon prayer um, mm-hmm. whenever we were in our groups a lady had COVID and she still couldn't smell anything so we got together mm-hmm. we laid hands on her we prayed and then I was like well smell my shirt can you smell my perfume <laughs> she could smell so she was healed that's amazing did you all actually smell each other in prayer <laughs> that is great But she didn't have COVID while she was praying with you. No, no, no. (laughs) You were all thinking it. You were like, did she actively have it? No, she did not. It was a residual. Residual. Just clearing that up as we're on live stream. (laughs) Okay, question number three. Think about this one really hard. What distracts you most when you pray? Just something that comes to your mind when you're in prayer. What's the biggest distraction? You can think of it too. Probably what I'm looking at right now, but we'll see what they say. What distracts you most when you pray? Okay, spokesperson.
1: Um, This is just me, my phone.
0: Your phone. Okay, give me another answer besides phone because I knew you would say that. Um, I mean anybody in the group.
1: Like if my mom's like cooking or something like that or doing something in the kitchen. (laughs) Like I have to close the door because I can't there's too much going on outside.
0: Activity in the house, not specifically your mom.
1: That was that was just an example. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry mom.
0: (laughs) Cell phones. I'm sure people needing to get in touch with you. Okay, this is the one. You don't have to tell me who or what, and I would like you to be honest. There's no condemnation. We're not going to get anywhere if we're not honest tonight, so come close so we can't see what you're saying. I would like someone just to be honest and tell me, how much do you spend in prayer average on a daily basis, and then or maybe on a weekly basis? In all honesty, some of you might not pray every day, so you might need to give it to me weekly. How much? Be honest with each other. How about you? I want you to think about it. How much time do you spend weekly or daily in prayer? Don't let Jocelyn answer. I hear her saying she prays like two hours a day. I'm just kidding. Okay, who wants to answer? I
2: would say about 10.
0: About 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. A week or a day? Average. Average. Average a week or a day? A day, day. that makes me feel a little better. (laughs) Just food for thought, Barna, who is a very, very popular pollster for the church, polling Christians, the average Christian, which we are not in a room of average Christians, I am believing, but the average Christian prays one minute a day. It's a very scary fact until you move to leadership, and when polling pastors, the average pastor prayed a grand total of five minutes a day. Wow, scary, huh? So I just didn't want y'all to feel condemnation. You are double the average pastor if you pray 10 minutes a day. Okay, question number five. Ooh, ooh, I like this one. What is the average screen time on your phone, daily or weekly? Y'all can check it right now if you want to. What's the average screen time on your phone? Somebody fess up, and don't tell me it's because you use the Bible app.
2: I don't even want to
0: check mine, <laughs> You all can confess your sins to your neighbor if you want to and tell them your average screen time on your phone.
2: Okay,
0: all right. It can be daily saying? or weekly. Y'all tell me.
2: He doesn't have a phone. So.
0: Oh, he can answer since he doesn't have a phone. We know it's not him.
1: Okay.
0: So, so, I don't personally have a phone. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> 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 but, uh... They said around four hours a day. Four hours. Can anybody say you're within a half-hour ballpark of that, an hour ballpark? Who in here, just be real, we're confessing our faults one to another, would say mine's actually more than four hours a day? Yeah. Wow. And, and you would be right at average. So I just want you to see a common thread I didn't intend to weave. The biggest distraction with this group was their phone. Average prayer time was 10 minutes. Average screen time was four hours. It really doesn't take a long time to put that puzzle together. Okay? Last question. I'm so proud of y'all for volunteering. No one will ever do that again. (laughs) This is a deep question. In a sentence, why do you think students struggle to pray? And you may have a really awesome prayer life, or maybe in your past you've struggled. What's the first thing that comes to you? Why do you think people struggle to pray? No right or wrong answer. Okay, who's your spokesperson? Y'all are sounding good. Mm-hmm. Rooks, you answering?
3: Uh, there, was, there was a lot of good answers. I think what. Uh, the, the main one was, it's, a, it's one that takes time, intentional time,
4: and there's not always immediate results when you do it.
0: Mm. How many would agree time? Time is very costly. Okay, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. I do not want an answer to, because I happened to poll some of my high school students and I got the answer. So time is probably one of the most common answers, and then boring. Prayer is boring which we're going to change on these Sunday nights. It's going to be the most exciting hour of your week. Prayer should be awesomely exciting, but boring and time. So those of you that would say in your heart, you don't have to tell on yourself time is an issue to prayer. I want to ask you in 2020 during quarantine, during COVID, when all of our lives stopped, how many of you prayed more? And if you say yes, then I would say time is probably the issue. Unfortunately, when I polled my students, they didn't. And we learned really quickly that time was an excuse, that passion was really the issue. Because when we had more time, we still didn't choose to pray more. So, okay, you're done. You're done being tortured. You may be seated. Thank you. We'll do random polls like this because I think it's important if we're entering a school of prayer to understand where we are, what we need to work on, and that you're not alone. Um, Some of you, your mom or dad may have made you come or your spouse may have made you come. Prayer is not the most interesting topic to the church. I don't know if you've noticed. We'd rather hear about prophetic stuff or the end times or a really cool sermon on how to better ourselves, and those things are great. But the foundation of our walk with God is prayer. And when we find Jesus wreaking havoc in the temple, it was because the temple itself had gotten away from its original identity. And you are the temple of God. So say, I'm the temple of God. And that means if you struggle with your identity and your purpose, The first thing you should be is a house of prayer, and everything else will flow out of that. So whatever it is you're petitioning the Lord for, whoever he's called you to be, or whatever issues of life you may be dealing with, the answer is in prayer. So tonight, um, I want to just share a word that will take us into prayer and I had no intention of sharing this word. I have some awesome outlines that I want to give you, and we're going to talk about our identity in prayer, praying as a bride, praying as a son and daughter, praying as an ambassador. We're going to talk about how prayer should be our most engaging time of the day and that prayer should not be boring for you. And we're going to talk about interacting with the Spirit in prayer and the languages of God and what can happen in your prayer time that I hope will make you so hungry for prayer. But the Lord would not let me get past why I have brought you here and so I'm going to just deliver a teaching I'm going to try not to preach or be long I'm going to take my text from Matthew chapter 26 and we're going to go a lot of places really quick and I'm going to preach or teach a word intercessor before activist intercessor before activist So, when you come um, to the School of Prayer on Sunday nights, let me lay a few ground rules while you turn to Matthew 26. First of all, come comfortable. I don't care if you wear your pajamas, you will be in the floor praying. The last thing I will allow you to do is stay right there in your seat and be glued to that seat for prayer. We're gonna change our posture for prayer, we're gonna engage in prayer, and so come comfortably. Secondly, you can come a few minutes early and you can fellowship afterwards because there's no greater connection to godly family and the body of Christ than after prayer. Um, and some of you single young people in here, a note to self, Kevin and I actually met at a prayer meeting. It's a really good place to... Find your soulmate is in the altar and if they're praying and speaking in tongues they just might be the one. And if they're in the back twiddling their thumbs that rhymes. I just if they're in the back twiddling their thumbs you should run the other way. And I'll never forget um Kevin and I met at a campus choir prayer meeting. We used to have those on Wednesday nights. And then we were with campus choir praying at Abba's house. Everybody know where Abba's house is with Pastor Ron Phillips. And this is probably when I knew I had no choice in my fate and I was going to marry Kevin Wallace. We had this crazy, awesome altar service and intercession, and I was totally slain out in the spirit, drunk. And... I guess everyone had left, and when I opened my eyes to get up, I looked across the altar, altar, and Kevin was also plastered, opening his eyes to get up, and we caught eyes and looked away very quickly because I thought, oh, God, no, no, I'm going to marry a preacher because at that time, that was not what I thought. And, you know, when you are drunk in the altar with someone, they just might be your soulmate. So we've got dating all wrong in the church. The prayer meeting is where you should meet them, Right. So for those of you who need some incentive to come pray, there you have it. Matthew 26, say, I am an intercessor before I am an activist. This is going to be a sensitive word, and I'm going to be completely unfiltered on these Sunday nights because this is a school of prayer, and we've got to talk about things that we might not can always talk about on a Sunday morning um but my heart has been very very stirred for our sons and daughters um because i feel like the season that we just went through in 2020 there was so there's so much suffering um so much upheaval so much chaos and in that i would say there were many uh, victims that the enemy targeted in 2020 but perhaps the greatest target of all that has been the most overlooked would be our sons and daughters um just what happened to them and what happened in the culture, um, being able to spend time with sons and daughters and hear their heart and see their tears, there was great loss. Um, the greatest thing, though, I think they experienced was the swirl of confusion over the church and even the swirl of confusion from leaders. And I saw a great emptiness over our sons and daughters, A sense of loss. Any other parents saw that? A sense of of loss. And I began to recognize that our sons and daughters are filled with great passion. Um, And some of our moms and dads are too. And I hope we never outgrow passion. And in a time when the world was in chaos, I felt like what was modeled for our sons and daughters the most was how to be an activist, And what was modeled the least was how to be an intercessor. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I'm not here to tell you that activism is wrong. I am here to tell you it didn't get us very far, did it? Because activism alone is not what produces change in the culture around us. And so I determined one of my New Year's resolutions in turning to 2021 is that I was not going to be silent for the sake of sons and daughters. Um, mothers and fathers do not live lives of self-preservation, even if that means our own reputation. Mothers and fathers are not hirelings who run from the sheep When danger or trouble appears, mothers and fathers will lay down their life for their sheep. And I'm at a place where no matter what it costs, Kevin and I want to be a voice of truth to sons and daughters, even if y'all don't like what we have to say. Because I love you too much to feed you a lie. And as I saw so much passionate activism, I am an activist myself. What is an activist? It's someone who seeks to change the norm, to see social changes, political changes, governmental changes. You want to see the world a better place from your lens. And so you're willing to put action behind your beliefs. So we should all be activists in a sense. So from one activist to another, I saw so much energy from sons and daughters being invested in activism, yet it was void and empty of kingdom results because we did not give them the whole truth. And so tonight, we're gonna talk about why you need to reset at a school of prayer because I want your efforts to be fruitful. So in Matthew 26, I wanna talk about Peter the activist. Who loves Peter in scripture? The, The character Peter is awesome. One minute he's getting in trouble, the next minute he's changing the world, I can relate to Peter. He was so passionate, he was so forward, he was so rash, and in one moment, he was getting rebuked, and the next moment, he was the only one out of the boat walking on water. I personally believe Jesus loved his son Peter. And Peter was an activist. In fact, how many ever uh, knew him or saw him in the word as Peter the Zealot or Simon Peter the Zealot? How many ever heard that? So that word was actually an activist identification because in that time, you know, that Israel was being occupied by Rome and the Jewish people were very oppressed. Um, they were oppressed in their faith. They were oppressed economically, financially. It was a really rough time. And Peter being a Jew and being a passionate Jew was known to belong to a group called the Zealots. And basically they were activists who wanted the Jewish people to overthrow Rome. They were the ones protesting. I, I bet you, I- I don't want to offend anybody, I speak so rawly, but I'm pretty sure Peter probably threw some bricks and burned some buildings in his day before Jesus. He was radical. You want to know how radical he was? You're about to see in this story, he almost cut somebody's head off. He meant it. He meant what he believed in. And even when Jesus called him, I believe Peter actually thought Jesus was going to be the same kind of activist he was. I believe Jesus left it I mean Peter left it all to follow Jesus because he honestly thought and you see it throughout his um, interaction with Jesus, he honestly thought Jesus was going to help him overflow overthrow the Roman Empire in the natural in his day. Do you see that in the life of Peter so Being an activist isn't wrong, and Jesus chose Peter on purpose and built the church upon the rock of Peter's testimony because Jesus is looking for people who are passionate. We see this in the story of Saul. Jesus could have chosen any religious leader or rabbi or teacher, but he chose the apostle Paul who was killing Christians. Like, you and I would have put Paul in jail, but when he was Saul, he was killing Christians, and Jesus saw that passion and said, well, it's misplaced, misplaced passion. He's wrong. I'm going to knock him off his horse with a blinding light. I'm going to show him the truth, and I'm going to use him to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. So Jesus was always picking passionate people. He loves activists. But he wanted to transform Peter into a different kind of activist. And this is what I came to talk about to students tonight. Uh, investing in your prayer life and learning to go into your prayer closet is going to produce more results for what you're passionate about than any activism ever will. Those of you in this room that are really passionate about uh, abortion, or really passionate about human trafficking, like the video we saw today, or really passionate about global hunger, or you can interview any young person. There's always something they're passionate about, they're aware of something they don't think is right in the world around them, and they want to do something about it, and that's what the church is here for. But the world will feed you an inferior form of change that is produced in activism, but not preceded by intercession. And I'm going to show you the danger of that. Are you ready? So in Matthew chapter 26, we're going to get into the text. I'm going to read starting in verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Look at your neighbor and say, stay awake. Jesus said, stay awake. Jesus said, stay awake. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them doing what? Sleeping. So Jesus had just said, stay awake, and they decided to Sleep, And Jesus turns to who? Peter. Okay, they're all asleep, but he looks at his activist. He looks at his zealot, and he says, Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me just one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. So we have a weariness issue. We have a focus issue. We have a distraction issue. And we have a group of zealots and activists who cannot keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go, see my betrayer is near. Right here in this passage, we find that Jesus is feeling an urgency because he is aware of something that the disciples are obviously not aware of. Okay, and he is so aware of it, he is not concerned at all about their physical weariness. He expects them to go beyond comfort. He expects them to go beyond their physical condition, and he expects them to adopt the same urgency he feels and to intercede. Yet, they keep falling asleep. And I'm concerned, moving into 2021, this is a picture of the church. There is an urgency in the kingdom right now. Young people, there is an urgency over your future. There's an urgency over the kingdom. There's an urgency over souls. And right now, there is a great temptation Some of you may fall asleep on me physically tonight, but there's a great temptation to fall asleep in the spirit, to go into dormancy mode and not feel the urgency of the heart of the Messiah. And if there's anything that I want this reset to be, it's awakening your heart to the urgency of the hour you've been assigned to. You could have been born 50 years ago. You could have been born 100 years ago. You could have been born 20 years ago. But God chose you sitting there in that seat to be here right now for such a time as this. And there's an urgency in the kingdom like we've never seen before. There's an urgency over lost humanity. And you are the one that Jesus is depending upon to intercede with him. And we can't go to sleep in this hour. So Peter is told by Jesus, stay awake and pray with me one more hour so that you don't enter into temptation. And what does Peter do? He falls asleep. Now let's keep going. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs. They were with him from the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So he went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. When Jesus said, Pray, the hour is here. He hadn't even finished his sentence before what had made his soul sorrowful actually began to happen. That's how urgent the moment was. It wasn't a prophecy about what would happen five years from now. It didn't even take five minutes from the time the disciples were sleeping before prophecy began to unfold, kingdom momentum began to take place, and the church who should have been aware was sound asleep. And so here comes action. Here comes a mob. Here comes a group. Here comes the public eye. Here comes activity, right? Just a few moments before, nobody was looking, nobody was around. The church was in a quiet place with Jesus, in a private place of intercession where they could have obtained victory when nobody was looking and they slept. But now there's adrenaline pumping, right? Because now the world around them is moving and chaos has moved in. Feels a lot like what we just went through, right? And the church jumps up, skips the step of intercession, and moves directly into activism. So Jesus has been praying. He has gotten direction from the Father. He has gotten victory. The church around him, his disciples, and Peter specifically, slept when they should have been praying. And because they slept when they should have been praying, when the moment arose that action was needed, they skipped intercession and moved straight into activism, and you're going to find Jesus and the church were nowhere on the same page. And this is where I fear we are right now. Young people, I fear we have taught you to jump straight to action and totally skip intercession. Because the hour is among us, it's upon us. There is movement all around us in the kingdom. And my fear is that we have been in a slumber. We have not made ourselves a house of prayer. And we are shaking ourselves from sleep. And we are moving to action. But we are in no place in unity with the heart of the Father. We are speaking from our own intellect. We are acting from our own wisdom. We are operating on what makes sense to us to do in the moment. And we have not reached a place of victory in prayer. And this is the danger of that moment. Are you with me? I told you tonight is meat. We got to eat this in our spirit because it's going to help us be more effective as we move forward to change the culture. The 12 jump up. Judas kisses Jesus, Jesus and Jesus says, friend, why have you come? And they came up, and they took hold of Jesus, and they arrested him. At that moment, one of those who was with Jesus and we know it's Peter, he reached out and drew his sword and he struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. Now, theologians have a lot of different interpretations of what happened here. Most people believe that he really wasn't aiming for the ear that maybe Peter just missed and he really wanted to cut the servant of the high priest's head off. Activist Peter, totally operating in his old ways, in an old wineskin, in an old mindset, came out swinging a sword when he wasn't supposed to. And some think he was aiming for the the head of, of the servant of the high priest. But nevertheless, he cut off his ear. And there's so much to be said about the action of cutting off the servant of the high priest's ear. Because the next instructions Jesus had from Peter is not, great job, Peter. Way to take up from me, Peter. Way to speak the truth, Peter. Way to share your mind, Peter. Way to show what you really think, Peter. Jesus didn't say that at all. He said, Peter, put up your sword. Now, in this story, Peter had a real sword, The disciples, we don't know if they were armed or if Peter took a sword from one of the soldiers. He had a real sword. And I want to submit to you, the modern-day sword of the church is not a sword in the natural at all. It's that little piece of flesh in between your teeth called your tongue. Your tongue is a sword. It is referred to as a sword all throughout scripture. Even Jesus will open his mouth and out of his mouth will come a sharp two-edged sword. The word of God is a sword and your words are also. And you may not, in your activism and in your passion, pull out a natural sword, but I believe the church has done its share of pulling out its tongue and speaking words out of turn, out of season, and out of sync with the heart of Jesus, because we went straight into activism and we forgot to crucify our flesh in intercession. And so we go after those who we feel like are attacking the kingdom when we don't realize that those individuals may be the next assignment of our harvest, right? We want to cut the head off those that Jesus may want to reach with the gospel. And so when when Peter cut off the servant of the high priest or Malchus's ear, something really significant happens here. Are you ready for something you need to take notes on? He may have been aiming for his head, but Peter was a smart Jewish brother. And there were certain laws and protocols that any Jewish individual would have known. And back in the book of Leviticus, in fact, I think it's in Leviticus 24. I'm gonna find it for you, Chad. You may have it to put Leviticus 21, verses, starting with verse 17. I'll skip around because it's long. It says no one, he's speaking um, to the priesthood, no one of your offspring, Aaron, throughout all generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the food of his family to his God or sacrifice for no one who has a blemish can draw near. And it goes down to talk about skin disease and it even says if you have a mutilation or a mutilated face, you can never again come into the presence of the Lord to offer something. Now, that might not seem like it fits into the context of this story, but let me explain something to you. Malchus was the servant of the high priest. His job, his identity, his mission in life was to serve in the temple. And what Peter just did in one moment of anger, in one moment of ignorance, and in one moment of unbridled rashness is he just cut off Malchus's future to ever enter into the presence of the Lord. What Peter did in a moment had eternal consequences for the recipient of his behavior. Now, this is heavy tonight, but it takes us two seconds to say something. It takes you less than 30 to type something and post it or to text something but you don't know the long-term consequences you are inflicting on the person who is receiving and hearing what you have to say. Do you hear me tonight? When he cut off Malchus's ear, he cut off his ability to hear. And the church I fear in this season of chaos and testing, especially from leadership all the way down. And young people, I love you, but I hope this hits you right in the gut. I hope (coughs) conviction reigns in this place as I say it. Our words have eternal consequences for the hearer. (coughs) Here I am coughing, I'm gonna drink my water. Our words have eternal consequences. And what you say you can give me a minute, I'm going to get this out, no matter how bad the devil doesn't want me to. It's class, we can take our time, right? It's not a COVID cough, y'all, I promise. What you say has eternal consequences on those who hear it. And if we don't take responsibility for what we say in the moment, we don't know whose ear we just cut off. We don't know who we just stopped from ever hearing the gospel. We don't know who we just cut off their ability with the spirit of offense to ever freely enter into the presence of the Lord. And in Jesus' final moments with his church, he is about to be arrested and taken to his death Listen to this. In Jesus' final moments with his church, he had to spend his time in cleanup before he could move forward to his destiny. Jesus did not leave Malchus with a cut off ear because Jesus understood that Malchus wasn't the object of his affection. He was one of the reasons he was going to the cross. And he knew the eternal consequences of what Peter had done. And he told Peter, Put your sword up, and and what I'm saying tonight, it would be like Jesus nicely saying, shut up, close your mouth, don't say another word. Your activism is endangering the harvest. You are cutting off the ability of the world to receive my message, and he had just told Peter in verse 40, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation, and because Peter did not pray, guess what Peter did? He surrendered to the temptation of the flesh. You speaking your mind is not the greatest example of your spiritual walk with God. It is actually a reflection of your lack of self discipline. <laughs> we'll see who comes next Sunday night, right? You know where you can speak your mind, young people? To God in prayer. Do you know where you take the frustration you get when I'm driving down the street and I see a prostitution transaction taking place right in front of me and I look into the eyes of a pimp that I want to go punch in the face, but I have to cry hot tears in my car and say, Father, I feel hatred for that man right now, but you want to save him. And I may not feel like praying for him, but if trafficking is going to end, that man needs to get saved. And I don't go cut his ear off and give him a piece of my mind. I begin to intercede and say, Father, give me your heart for this issue. And you can fill the blank in with what you're passionate about. But instead I'm concerned we have raised a generation to pull out a sword and swing in their anger and frustration and we have lost our ability to influence the culture around us. And instead we have been contributors to division and to chaos and confusion. Is this hitting anybody tonight? And tonight what I wanna teach us to do is to take action in prayer before we ever take action in the natural Before we ever open our mouth, learning to surrender our heart before the Father. When I was in high school, we used to have this saying, this really dates me, I know, but did you ever have somebody that would just come to tell you a story, and they were really excited, and they would get right in your face, and they would spit on you while they talked to you, and we would say, say it, don't spray it. Anybody ever say that? Say it, don't spray it. Because the spit and the proximity, it just stole your ability to really grasp the story. And I'm not here to say, say it, don't spray it tonight. I am here to say, pray it, don't say it. Before you say it, you should pray it. Where did we feel in the church that we are entitled to speak things we have not weighed before the Father in heaven? Or we have not surrendered to the Father in heaven and prayed by the Holy Spirit and said, Father, I know this is my agenda, but is it yours? I know this is how I feel, but is this your heart? I know this is what I want to do, but is this what you're asking me to do? Because we were bought by a price, sons and daughters. We are servants of God, and we are not here for our own agenda. We are not here to build our own kingdom. And the nation of this nation and the nations of the earth, they belong, they belong to Yeshua, and we are here to ensure that his kingdom is advanced. And in that prayer that the disciples missed, Jesus prayed three times, not my will, but your will. Can we grasp the magnitude of that prayer that Jesus actually had a will that may have been in conflict with his destiny and that Jesus clothed in humanity may have had desires that were not God's desires, and he was the son of God. Don't you think for one deceptive moment that every desire you have is from heaven? Don't you think for one deceptive moment every passion of your heart is the Father's? If Jesus had to pray prayers like that in private before he ever demonstrated the kingdom in public, How much more should the church? How much more should the church? So this may not be what you were expecting on your first night of school of prayer, but I am concerned that Christians who are participating in activism without intercession are the newest form of Christian terrorism in this nation. Did I just say that? I did and that we can get mad at the world for the chaos and the division around us. And I say this humbly as a leader because I've had to repent before the Lord when I'm not so sure we have not become contributors and in some places sources of what's taking place around us. And I'm not willing to let that happen another year in the kingdom, are you? And so we are going to become incredible world changers. But we're gonna start on our knees in prayer. Intercession will birth action. You cannot pray about something, and you cannot pray for someone long enough that. You are not taken into a strategy of action. That's why I believe Jesus said pray for your enemies and those who despitefully use you, bless them because when you pray for something, you cannot remain neutral. It will produce activation in your heart that is productive for the kingdom. I am by no means silencing this generation. I am by no means handcuffing you in a time that I believe the Lord wants to use you more than ever to bring the kingdom of God to this nation and the nations of the earth. But I am here to tell you, put your sword up. And until you have tarried in prayer with Yahweh, do not feel entitled to use a weapon that was given to you that was supposed to be harnessed by the Holy Spirit to damage the world around you. Your words, just as Peter used them for harm, do you know the power of your words when they are used by the Holy Spirit? I am believing that some of you in this room, I have prayed specific prayers that from this church, statements would be made that are marked in history. You know those statements you read when you have history at school that people make? Like they're always they're always quoting the Bible, even they act, even when they act like it's their statement. But who said a house divided cannot stand? Abraham Lincoln, right? That went down in history, right? That one moment. Ask not what you can do, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Shout it out, right? One statement. It went down in history. Our nation is infected with divisive statements that are being posted worn on t-shirts propagated and they are not a kingdom message I don't care how deceptively good they sound they are not a kingdom message they are isolating and divisive and they are not birthed in a room of intercession Where are the kingdom statements that will go down in history as words birthed from heaven that rallied the church to unity? Do you realize your words are more effective when they are first weighed before the Father? And that many words are not a sign of maturity, but effective words are. Only Jesus could speak those one-liners that totally pierce the heart of all the listeners. And I challenge you in 2021, pray more and talk less. Pray more and talk less. So I I wanna just take us in a different direction. Matt, you can come and start playing and get us ready for prayer. Matthew chapter 22 talks about a really cool parable, and I wanted to teach on this tonight, and this will be our subject next week about our identity in prayer. And engaging prayer is effective prayer. We're going to talk about how to engage in prayer, unless we get there tonight. But he's talking about a wedding feast. In fact, most of what The parables talk about, when they talk about the bride and the return of Christ, even the first miracle Jesus did was at a wedding feast. Because prayer is not meant to be boring. It's meant to be your date night with your fiance. You're a bride. You've been betrothed. You belong to somebody. And that somebody doesn't want to wait and talk to you when you show up at the pearly gates or when the trumpet sounds. He's highly invested in engaging with you right now. Let me remind us that Jesus, after he was resurrected, he took 40 days to sit down with people he loved and just have a meal with them. He broke bread, he ate dinner, he talked about the kingdom. That's prayer. And he never wanted to stop having relationship with you. And just because you cannot see him, do not think that he is not near. And that he is not listening to your words and longing to talk back to you. But in Matthew 22, there's this wedding feast. And the one holding the feast is like, hey, The guests I invited aren't coming, so go out to the place where the road meets the city, meaning go get the outsiders and bring them in. I'm inviting everybody. I'm inviting everybody. All limits are off. This wedding celebration is for everybody and anybody who will just make time to come. And they all come in. And Jesus comes into the wedding feast and he's looking around and he finds somebody who actually got into the feast, but they're not dressed properly. And you know, we we think that's not a big deal in our culture, but it was a super big deal to the culture that parable was written for. To show up at a wedding and not have your wedding garments on was the ultimate sign of disrespect. It was the ultimate sign of dishonor, a lack of preparation, a laziness. And the master of the feast looks at him and says, he doesn't have his wedding garments on. Bind him up, take him out. And it says these words, this is gonna be heavy. It says, and the man was speechless. He was speechless. When confronted by the Lord, he was speechless. And I believe we're entering a season in the kingdom where imposters are being exposed. Hmm. The open invitation of the Lord welcomes all but it's your choice if you're going to really sit at a table of influence. And unfortunately, sons and daughters, not every voice you've heard is the voice of someone who's wearing wedding garments. And I'm here to tell you, the master of the feast is looking and imposters will be exposed. And those who speak but do not pray will be speechless. Those who have a platform of influence, but not a relationship with the Father, will lose their influence. I don't wish that on anybody. But I just wanna be honest with you. I have sat with my own children as they have wept over a disappointment of leadership in 2020. I look in the eyes of sons and daughters and I see frustration because maybe mothers and fathers were afraid to speak truth because they were more worried about reputation than your future and you walked in deception without answers you needed. I know there's been a lot of failure with a lot of leaders that are public in our nation and around the world and some of you shook that off and some of you it really bothered you because you put confidence in people and then you recognized they were living a lie and it made you lose faith in leaders. Some of you were victims of leaders like the apostle Peter who pulled out a sword when they should have remained silent And they said things that offended you. They hurt you. They didn't bring healing. And it caused you to shy away from your faith or take a step back or harbor a root of offense. And I want to do something tonight that I never planned to do on the first night of the school of prayer. But I felt very obligated to do it. And I I saw Kevin walk in in the back and I'm gonna ask him to participate with me if he feels so led. I just called him out. I just feel the holiness of God in this room. And I feel the weight of what I'm about to say. I believe imposters are going to be exposed. I believe hirelings that are not shepherds are going to take flight. And what will be left are mothers and fathers in the kingdom that are not going to operate from a seat of self-preservation, but are willing to lay down their life for the sheep. You may not always like, sons and daughters, what is said from this pulpit, but you will never question if it is said with love. I care more about your eternal future than if you like me or you agree. And I believe the Lord is about to put a megaphone on leaders who care so much about the future of the kingdom that they are willing to put their own reputations on the altar. Because how will you learn to lay your life down for the kingdom if it is not displayed before you? And this may not be for all of you, but I want to repent on behalf of kingdom leaders. Even myself, who maybe miss some moments That I should have said more and I did not. Or intervened more or did not. Or saw the struggle but chose self-preservation over truth. And I'm here to tell you I will not lay my head down at night. One more night and have a sleepless night wondering what could I or should I have done. And I believe I speak for all the leaders of this house. PJ, you can participate with me. Pastor Rick Autumn. And what I'm going to do, Autumn, if you'll quickly grab me four or five chairs, I can do it right down there. That's fine. Oh, either way, wherever. I had been wrestling with the image of something for over a month now, and I didn't plan to do it, and I hope that I don't offend my own child. I won't say who, but today God always uses my kids to confirm things. And one of my children and I were in the car and. She was crying tears. And they were tears of disappointment because of things she has heard or heard people say or watching leaders not get along. Saying, "I'm so tired of it, Mom. I'm so confused." And and not all of you have felt this way, but I think some of you have. And I felt like it was a confirmation that before you can follow me into intercession, I want to humble myself before you as a leader and ask for forgiveness for poor leadership in 2020. Can I just say it? And we're going to pray together tonight for a healing in the body that we can have confidence in leaders in the kingdom. And I'm here to tell you, I told my students for every one leader you lost confidence in because of public failure or misplaced statements, don't you be fooled that that is the majority. Some of the greatest mothers and fathers in the kingdom, they're not on social media and they don't have public platforms, but they're out there and they're fasting and they're contending and they're on your side. They are rooting for you. They are praying for a revival for you so do not take the bait that you cannot have confidence in kingdom leaders but I am praying for platform shifts I am praying for microphone shifts I am praying for influence shifts and that we will not suffer another year of loud poor leadership But that we will begin to see Jesus manifest himself in sons and daughters to your generation. And we will see an army rise up. An army of Apostle Peters. An army of Saul's turning into Paul's. And I will not lay my head at night watching sons and daughters drown in the division of the church and drown in hatred and competition and jealousy and drown in racism and and drown in divisive narrative that have you confused. I wanna see you fiercely focused on what God has for you. And so I just, I'm gonna get real specific. I wanna repent to young ladies I don't think it's happened much in this house, but just all over again to daughters who have experienced from the church, from religious leaders, a bias against God's ability to use you. Let me just say that's dying. It's dying in this church. I'm praying our sons and daughters, when someone looks at them and says, Do you believe in women preachers? They say, Why wouldn't I? How many believe that lie can just die? for your generation I I want a daughter up here and I'm going to ask specifically maybe you're a daughter in this room and you have been wounded by that if that's you just jump up and run to a seat just one not you come on come on up I'm going to ask this is this is going to be difficult but I'm just going to call it out I want a black son or daughter up here Because people in the church said things that hurt you. Leaders that you thought loved you said that, you know, it can be two. Come on up. I'm gonna wash your feet because I'm telling you, I am so sick of a narrative. And I am so sick of our outward skin color being the focus of everything we say. You are so much more. We are so much more. The blood of Jesus is so much more than the tissue that covers your internal organs. And I repent because we'll get more chairs. You can sit on the steps. We got plenty of leaders to wash feet. I believe some of you have misjudged leaders, and I just believe there have been things said that, made you change the way you look at the church. And if I said it, I repent. And even if I didn't, I'm going to ask you to allow forgiveness to flow from your heart as I wash your feet on their behalf. I'm going to say something nobody's even talking about, but it's real. I just want to know if there's a Hispanic brother or sister in here that was really offended and hurt by all the lingo in the church over immigration and the building of a wall and you felt prejudice against your life because you were Hispanic. I know this is raw tonight. Is there anybody in here who would let me wash your feet because it happened? It happened from leaders. Nobody's moving. I'm gonna wait. I just need a Hispanic brother or sister to stand in for that. Come on up. I don't care if there's a language barrier. The church is bigger than that. In issues of immigration, although there's probably policies that need to be created in the world around us, this house is a house where all are welcome. And I care. I want a young person, it's gonna be really bold, and like I said, we can do chairs, steps, because I'm gonna call all leaders. If you were in here, and you can just raise your hand, just one, but you saw the public failure of a leader, and it broke something in you, it
1: broke something.
0: It really bothered you, it cost you some sleep at night. If that's you, would you just jump up and come forward? You don't have to say who or what, but the public failure of a leader really bothered you. Anybody, everybody's cool with it? I'm gonna wait. Okay, Isaiah, I'm gonna ask you to come stand in for that. Kevin, can you come join me? I'm gonna ask Autumn, Pastor Josh, Pastor Rick, some leaders. I want Matt just to take us into a time of intercession and as leaders, it's not just gonna be me alone. I may not have called out something specific. um, And if Kevin, if you think of anything else I left off, but just because I didn't call it out, don't think it's important. I'm just on the spot right now and you don't think of everything. What I wanted to do was just repent on the behalf of leadership and tell you that whatever we do in this house this year, We're going to lead you into prayer first. I want to take you to the presence of the Lord, to a realm in the kingdom and a realm of relationship where all of the things that may have divided us in the previous year can't touch us in the year to come. I believe that this is going to be a company of unified brothers and sisters in the faith where these issues get under our feet. And I want forgiveness to flow in this place, and I want it to start from leadership head down, and then we're gonna go into prayer. So what I wanna ask you to do at your seat, if you're not getting your feet washed, can you just begin to pray and ask the Lord to examine your heart for offense or things you need to release, and then just help me pray. Let this be the prayer of your heart. And students, I'm gonna ask this to be interactive. So this is the time you can move to the altars, move to the aisles. As we are washing feet, this is the target of your prayer. Lord, heal my heart and heal the heart of the church. Let there be unity where there has been brokenness and where leaders have failed and used their influence to divide the body Let there be redemption. Let there be healing that might not be the prayer you wanted to pray tonight But that's the target of our prayer for the next 10 or 15 minutes. So right now I want you to change your posture It's not a spectator night kneel at your seat come to the aisles. lay wherever you want to lay while we wash feet I want you to begin to pray for healing in the body and that God would raise up godly leaders. And I'm going to ask these leaders to help me wash feet. part of our prayer tonight there's such a a powerful thing happening up here it's supernatural I'm just gonna release you this is what we'll do there are tissue boxes everywhere you can continue to just cry out in intercession I'm gonna be honest some of you have some issues in your own heart you need to dump out before the Lord you need to dump it out some of you have struggled with these issues I love you but you know you have used your tongue as a weapon and you need to repent. You need to repent. This is the time to do it. There's no condemnation. But I'm going to I'm going to show you a way to cheat at foot washing. You just get a tissue just wipe. it's symbolic foot washing if you need someone to wash your feet or you just feel like you need to go wash someone else's feet maybe they're just standing in for someone you hurt or someone you did wrong or maybe you have struggled you didn't come get in a seat but you represent them you know maybe someone offended you over a racial issue or over a political issue or over failure and you need to go find someone and wash their feet just so you can forgive I just want to release everybody to do that grab a tissue and we can have a of foot washing if you want to so pray individually or i release you to go seek healing in the body by washing each other's feet
4: feel right now I feel like we all need to pray for the Lord to put a watch over our mouths David prayed Lord put a guard shack like a guard over my mouth that I would never speak things that do not bring you glory and we're praying in different postures all over this room whoever said sticks and stones break my bones words never hurt me have never heard some words that I've heard how many know words can hurt people And tonight not only are we asking God to cleanse us, but the Bible said bring forth fruit that is is meat for repentance, meaning when you repent. There ought to be a different fruit in your life. And how many want to join me, your pastor, right now in asking God to clean my tongue up and make sure that my tongue and my tapping bring honor and glory to God? How many need to pray that tonight? Can we just pray, God, put a guard over our mouth. And may we speak blessing and not cursing. Can we just get our eyes on Jesus for a moment right now? Because there's a transformational work that is happening in this room tonight. And I just thank God for grace that is flowing. And it won't end tonight, but something is beginning tonight that is going to shape 2021. And I just declare to you that our words and our speech in this year is going to be a healing balm. And not a curse or a divisive weapon as Devin taught tonight. We're going to see healing come through declaration that honors God. And if you'll just turn your eyes on Jesus, you say, Pastor, I don't know how to change it. If you'll turn your eyes on him and look at him hanging on the cross, he gives you an I a model to follow. While he's hanging on a cross between heaven and earth and they're stabbing him in the side with a spear and they've crowned him with thorns and he said, I'm thirsty and they gave him malt to drink. He doesn't say, Father, kill them and get them back. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And can we just pray that tonight, Lord? We want to pray like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. We want our tongue to be you. <laughs> Oh, I feel him in this room right now. I feel him in this room right now. Transform our tongue. Transform our tapping. Lord, I pray we'll become a tribe of intercessors and a company of worshipers that shift the heavenlies and change what's happening on this earth to the glory of God. Come on, Tori, I want to see Jesus tonight. Somebody just turn your eyes on him tonight, huh? you
3: Your eyes are like flames of fire. I know that your head is white as wool. I know that your voice, it sounds like waters. Jesus, you're beautiful. And I know that your eyes are like flames of fire. I know that your head is white as wool. I know that your voice, it sounds like waters. Jesus, you're beautiful.
0: repentance and forgiveness there is just a massive wave of deliverance coming over the sanctuary some of You've been operating in a bondage you didn't even know was in your life because offense and and hurt, it opens the door for the enemy to come and and just wall in your heart. And I just feel a softening of hearts tonight. And I just declare freedom and deliverance right now
5: in the name of Jesus in this house. And I I just feel like a yoke, a heaviness is coming off some hearts. It's been a yoke
0: of offense. You you didn't want to cause it it just came the enemy targeted you and people said things that just walled you in an offense and i'm telling
5: you as we're washing feet and praying deliverance is just flowing in this place a lightness is coming to hearts love and forgiveness is flowing and i declare healing is coming to wounded disappointed hearts healing and grace and mercy is flowing in this place right now and i know this is crazy but if you need someone in this room or have them stand in for someone, right now is the time to do that because Jesus is healing and he is delivering and he is removing offense and reproach and disappointment. So right now, Father, I just pray for healing in this group of intercessors, healing over the airways, healing at Redemption nations Church. In fact, I spread my hands over this sanctuary and I walk in this sanctuary, that offense is exposed and that forgiveness flows and grace flows and that this is a house where we can confess our faults one to another and find brotherly love. I declare that this is an arena of healing. This is an atmosphere where offense cannot grow. It cannot be spoken. Put a muzzle over our mouth. Put a muzzle over our mouth. Let us speak love. Let us speak truth and love. Father, I declare a barrier over this pulpit, this microphone, over our airways, everything that comes out of this church. Lord, everything that comes out of our leaders will edify. It will exhort. It will bring redemption. It will bring reconciliation. It will bring healing. And this will be a house of healing. I declare an anointing of healing will flow and flow through the aisleways and that people will come in who are broken and rejected and wounded and as worship goes forth healing waves will flow over them in Jesus' name can you pray that with me now let healing flow over the body let healing flow in Jesus' name This is what I
0: want us to do. If you're already washing feet or laid out in the altar, don't change your position. But those of you that are listening and can engage with me, I'm going to ask everyone to kind of move to the altars always. I want you to get in groups of five or six people. If you feel comfortable, stand in a circle. We're about to pray one for another. Oh, my shed a saramahaya. The Lord is about to move in circles of unity, is what I hear him say. How blessed is it when brethren dwell together in unity that is where the commanded blessing of the lord flows and, and however you do it i don't care if it's ten people young people students moms and dads just get in circles of agreement just turn and face each other just get in circles of agreement And Pastor Kevin can join me any of our leaders can join me in leading but we're gonna pray targeted prayers in these groups of unity and I believe where two or more are gathered he is there in the middle so I want you to do something with me I want you to look with spiritual eyes and not natural eyes and I declare in the middle of every circle Jesus is standing right there in the middle of every circle Jesus is standing right there and I want us to join hands and I want us to pray unity over the body and it's going to start by us praying over our mouths it's going to be a specific prayer I want you to ask the Lord to put a guard over your mouth to take a coal from the altar touch your lips with it and purify what comes out of your mouth and this is going to include what we text and post and type and send but right now I want you to pray father my tongue is not my own I am done speaking my own agenda my own will I am done speaking my own thoughts and I want my mouth in 2021 to be reset to kingdom frequency father put a guard over my mouth and if I start to say something that does not please you I give you permission to silence me convict me check me stop me put a barrier over my mouth and father as i surrender my tongue to you not only silence words that would be from my flesh and my own agenda and not from yours but lord fill my mouth with the words of the spirit Fill my mouth with healing words, with words of wisdom that go well beyond my age. Fill my mouth with profound words that bring unity and healing. Let me not lack for any wisdom in any situation. So, Father, I surrender my tongue right now. I want you to pray that in those groups. Sokara Masa. Sheda Kasara Mahaya. Just come together and pray it in your groups.
5: We're going to interact with heaven. So right now, in your prayer circle, I just want you to begin to get hungry and start pressing into His glory. I want you to start pressing into His throne room. And if you don't know what else to do, begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to ascend the hill of the Lord by praying in the spirit. But we are stepping into a supernatural realm right now because you have received an invitation to do so presence we are focusing our eyes on you right now we are pressing into your throne room right now just begin to worship and begin to press into his presence
3: in your story
5: and daughters as they are in their prayer circles. I just heard the Lord say some of you are so heavy tonight, and He's just going to take those burdens, and He's going to pour His Spirit out on you. I declare some of you are going to get so drunk in the Spirit, you're going to forget the worries you came into this room with. The Lord is going to introduce Himself to you as a living, breathing, close friend, and His Spirit is going to quicken you and strengthen you right now he has a new wine to pour out on you tonight and he wants to encounter you so I just want you to press into his presence as we pray with you in your story All my life is for you
0: going to continue to pray for people but there's a real grace for encounter right now the Holy Spirit is here and this is one of those opportunities you may not get on a schedule but you have time for tonight if you'll just reach out I'm telling you the Spirit of the Lord is here the Spirit of the Lord is here you can go as deep in your encounter as you desire and I just want you right now all over this place just begin to press into him his spirit is here and he is just pouring out He is so freely giving tonight joy and peace and freedom. He is just reminding us of his word. I just see him moving up and down these aisles right now, and he's interacting with whoever wants to engage with him. So I don't know if you do it at home in your prayer closet, but right now, one-on-one, I just want you to reach up for him, and I just want you to ask him to pour his spirit out on you. Communicate with him. Ask and see if he doesn't answer. Ask and see if he doesn't answer ask and see if he doesn't answer and I just want you to receive and expect him to move in your life in this time of prayer And I don't want to pull you out of prayer But it's a school of prayer So I'm trying to teach This is a moment we call soaking I just want you to soak him in Breathe him in His spirit is here He's doing different things in different individuals Sometimes we pray targeted prayers Sometimes we just commune with him Even if you don't have anything to say In moments like this You just soak him in You literally just breathe him in You listen He's going to speak Whatever you need from him right now This is just a holy moment You can press in you can press in by the Spirit. Just find Him in your Spirit and begin to commune with Him. i continues to worship I just believe the Lord said this is a real moment to hear from him we don't teach this enough I want you to to be lost in his presence and listen and I want you to ask the Lord this question what would you say to me tonight what do you want to say to me tonight and some of you are gonna be shocked because he's gonna answer you with a word of encouragement or a word of love a word of direction a word of identity but in the next few moments as we soak while she worships, I want you to listen for the Spirit to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. do this in this atmosphere where the Lord is so present. I pray he's spoken to you and refreshed you. I want us to come together in a unity for one final prayer tonight, however long it takes, five minutes or five hours. And I want us to pray for the real solution for our nation and for your generation is revival. It's awakening and a move of the spirit. And that's going to be our cry every time we come together for prayer not just a good church service, but that the church, the bride, would be absolutely consumed by the fire of God. Can we pray that together? So I'm gonna ask as many of you that are willing to come up to the altar. If you're laid out, you can stay out. Let's join hands. I want us to come together. I want us to weep between the porch and the altar, and I want us to cry out for revival. Is Pastor Josh in here? If you hear me, Pastor Josh, I want you to come up here. I just want us to get up here in the altar. And I want us just to ask the Father to send the fire of revival to this nation. The fire of revival. To our sons and daughters, how many believe even wild ones coming up soon can be a catalyst for an uncontainable? I'm not talking about a good church service. I'm talking about a fire that leaves this building and moves within this community and all over our nation. A fire that consumes the worst sinner that you never thought would ever turn to Jesus would fall on their face crying out before him. A fire where we see signs and wonders we have never seen before. Where we see manifestations of the presence of God we've never seen before. How many can believe for that and contend for that? Pastor Josh, I want to ask you to come up and help lead this prayer. I want you to join hands with at least one person. And like I said, you can kneel, you can stand. But I don't want you just to listen to him pray. I believe heaven wants to hear your hunger tonight. And I want you to pray like you believe. The greatest outpouring in the church hasn't happened yet, and it's contingent upon your hunger for it. Can we just begin to pray now? Pastor Josh, would you lead us? Let's pray.
2: Oh, God, we cry out today. We cry out today, Lord Jesus. Burn in our hearts, Lord. Bring awakening, Father, to our lives. Lord God, we repent right now that we've been pacified by so many things that this world's trying to offer us. And today, God, we cry out and repent, Lord Jesus, that nothing will ever satisfy the longing of our souls but you, Lord. And I pray right now that there would be a a passion and a burning fire that says we will no longer tolerate any other lovers in our lives but you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we would return to our first love, Lord Jesus, and that we would would know that revival is not just this thing that happened back then or it's something that's real far off. But God, today start a revival fire in our hearts in our own minds and our own souls to your presence, Father God. I pray that we would long to spend intimate times with you throughout our day, that it would not be some service-driven Christianity, but God, it would be a longing and a hunger to spend time with our Savior. Father, we repent right now for all the excuses. We repent for all the distractions. We repent for all of the things that we've set our gaze on. And God, we turn our gaze back to you. Lord, I pray that we would be hungry for t- church every day of the week every minute of the day and God I pray that our gathering time would be a celebration of the work that you are doing in our lives individually that we would come together corporately and say here's my brother and sister that I led to the Lord of the gas station here's my principal that I prayed for that a son that was sick would be healed and here they both are God I pray that a bold the fire would begin to be stirred in our hearts for you. God, that there would be revival in our workhouses. There would be revival in our marriages. There would be revival in our families. There would be revival, Lord Jesus, in every place that we go, that we would understand that we are called to demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Let the fire. We want you, oh God. I pray for encounters, encounters, Lord Jesus, that throughout our days that we would have encounters with your spirit that would just light a fire and say, man, you don't know me, but let me tell you, God is good. I pray that we would be unashamed. Of Jesus Christ, we would be unafraid to let the world know that we are madly in love with you, Jesus.
3: Oh, we need you, Lord. We need
2: you like our next breath, Lord. We need you. Forgive us, God, for becoming comfortable with who you are. Forgive us, God, for being comfortable you've done in our lives, Lord Jesus. Heal America today. Heal America today. Heal America today. Heal our country. Heal your world, God, today. You and you alone are the answer. You and you alone are the answer, Lord. (laughs) may we speak less and show more may we speak less and show more let us let our lives be the demonstration of the gospel it's not about what we say we are it's about how we live God I pray that we would live righteous before you Lord that we would live righteous lives in every single day when people are watching, when people aren't watching, when we're in the room with people, when we're alone by ourselves. Unite your church, Lord. Unite your body, Lord. Unite your body, Lord. My brothers and sisters around the globe, Father. I pray that we would be united, that we would demonstrate a posture of victory, Lord, that we're living our lives from victory, and even in a pandemic, we're not afraid, we're not afraid of the fire, we're not afraid of the smoke, we're not afraid of the consequence. May we burn for you. Lord, I pray for generational synergy. God, that the old and the young would come together. That we'd come together, Lord, that the passion and the wisdom would come together, Lord, from young and old. That there would be no more segregation even in the age groups. But God, that we would have leadership. That we would have leadership in every single day of our lives. God, I pray right now there would be healing amongst the races in america and the world at large that there would be healing that we would not tolerate that we would not tolerate injustice any longer amongst the races god i pray healing right now to be poured out like oil healing to be poured out like oil today that we don't tolerate diversity we celebrate diversity And I pray for boldness, God. Boldness, 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 Lord Jesus. Your, whole, your word says that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, that they were bold, that they were marked by boldness. God, may we not back down in an hour where people are saying, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. Lord, I pray that we would stand firm in our faith that our faith is not dictated by policies that have been given by man. Father, I pray right now that our hearts would burn for you and you alone. That we would not live in fear. But we would demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere we go. I pray that when we're near sick people that we would lay hands on them in faith. And they will recover. We, they will recover. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that we would not live our Christianity quiet and and safe and reserved, but we'd put it on demonstration to let the world see who you are and what you've done and what you offer. If we never get another thing, if we never get another thing, you're enough. You're enough. We're thankful, Lord. That's the song we sang this morning, Pastor Kevin said, if I had a thousand tongues, it still wouldn't be enough. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your love. We're so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful for your grace. Your word says those who are forgiven much, love much. And I pray that we would be a people who are marked by love, that the world would see your love shining through us and say, I want some of that. I pray for a peace amongst the body of believers, a peace that surpasses all understanding that God's hearts and minds according to Christ Jesus, that the world, when they're afraid and they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do, that they would see the church and see the peace that's in the church. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for forfeiting our peace. For forgive us, Lord Jesus, for taking our peace out of your hands. We surrender, Lord Jesus, to you and you alone. Wake us up in the middle of the night, Lord. Speak to us, share your heart with us. Share your heart with us, Lord Jesus. May we never be in en- we never have enough time with you, Lord. May we get to a place that we've spent way more time with you than we have our phone. We repent for distractions. We repent, Lord Jesus, for distractions. May we have enough discipline. May we have more love for you than we have for ourselves. May we dream your dreams, God. May we dream your dreams, God. I declare healing. I declare revival. I declare revival. Revival now. Revival now, Lord. Revival now, Lord.
3: Revival now,
2: Lord. Oh, God, we're just crying out for you. Revival now, God. (laughs) Revival now, God. Revival now, God. I don't want to go another day without revival now, God. We crash every idol, Lord, every idol. We crash every idol. Jesus, every idol, Lord Jesus. We crash every idol, Lord Jesus. Every idol, Lord Jesus. Every idol. We crash it. We crash it now. We crash it.
5: jealousy of God is just sweeping over this room right now. I don't know if you felt it come into the room. The Lord is coming for your heart. All of you, all of you, all of you, all of you. I just feel a grace to crush idols in this place. The jealousy of God is searching hearts. I declare in the name of Jesus, lukewarmness is being driven out of your heart. Compromise is being driven out of your heart. Jesus is asking you, do you really want me to set you on fire? and i see his jealous eyes sweeping over hearts right now and asking us to surrender our idols to surrender our compromise to surrender our hesitation and he's about to consume all of you your whole heart right now just engage engage with your heart and not your garments surrender Is just crushing competition right now I just hear the Spirit of the Lord whispering to my heart he will have the heart of this generation he will not share he will have the heart of this generation I see him crushing distraction and crushing competition and he says I will have Sweeping over the bride And the Lord said I am coming for what is mine I am coming for what belongs to me Shaitan amakasaya He will have the hearts of the sons and daughters And you will not be satisfied by a counterfeit Says the Lord You will not be satisfied by a counterfeit Says the Lord For the counterfeits of the enemy Will leave you empty and void But I am coming as your lover you whole, and I will call you mine, and you will be my people, and I will mark you with my glory, and I will write my name upon your head, and you will have dominion in the earth, for I will reign through you, and I will reign with you, but you have to belong to me, says the Lord. I am coming for what is mine, says Yahweh, cause shut and let idolatry fall, let compromise fall, let distraction fall, and let your heart be consumed with the fire for the lover of your soul. Some of you are about to get sick of what used to satisfy you. You're about to get sick of what you have sold your soul for. You are to get sick of the counterfeit of the enemy. And you're about to taste and see that the Lord your God is good. La Micaiah, if there is no substitute
3: Receive heaven. Receive heaven. Receive heaven. Let heaven come. Receive. See
1: One by one the idols fall as his glory comes in the room. One by one the idols fall as his glory comes. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. As his glory comes in this room, he's asking for. Glory comes in this room. There's just a the holiness in this atmosphere right now.
0: A returning, sanctifying, a burning, a burning of the holiness of the Lord. He's sanctifying our hearts. If you need to get something right or rededicate your heart, there's no better way to end this time of prayer than by surrendering all of you. Compromise is leaving, complacency is leaving the bride, and it's starting right here in your heart in this room. Fear is leaving, the idol of fear is crashing. The idol of self-preservation is crashing. The idols of distraction, they're crashing as his glory comes in. Because when he enters the room, nothing else matters. Nothing else compares. And so, Father, we thank you for this night of prayer. And we hear your spirit. You're coming for all of our hearts. You are coming for the bride that belongs to you, and you are purging. And your jealousy is consuming and destroying idolatry, and in this house we surrender our hearts to you tonight. Make us houses of prayer. So what I want to do is I want to release Tori to worship for a moment and Pastor Josh, any other leaders can pray. I want just the holiness of the Lord to just have its way in this room. And when you're done praying, you're done. But as long as you want to soak, he's moving here. And I want to issue a challenge before next Sunday night's school of prayer. Whatever your prayer time was, whether it was one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes a day, I'm going to challenge you to double it this week. Just double it. Just try it. Set an alarm. Just double it. Let's try to grow our prayer life this week. And anything that distracts you from that, crush it. Crush every idol that would keep you from burning in prayer for him. So just soak in his holiness as Tori worships. I'm not going to say anymore. We're just going to let this atmosphere settle and, and let you soak in his presence as long as you want.